I understand we've got people from the church that Carl McKeith go to. Would you raise your hand? There they are, back of the back. And he sent his best to us, and so that's uh, we. You got a fine man down there. In fact, we would trade five or six of these to get him back. So just, <laughs> I'm kidding. He did a good job, and he's. I'm sure he's. Now he's in Louisiana, isn't he? That's where we are at, down southern Louisiana, Fort Polk. I've heard of that place. <laughs> I haven't heard good things about it most time, but. <laughs> But Carl, Carl's a fine man. If you didn't know him, you, you missed a blessing because he's a super guy. And we look forward to seeing him every time he comes up and sees us. So, well, today we're going to talk about is there hope for my broken heart? Is there hope for my broken heart? Every one of us over our lifetimes has probably had at least one broken heart sometime or another. I remember when I was in high school and I found the beautifulest lady that I was going to marry and she broke my heart. But that just opened up a door for a more beautiful lady sitting over here. She told me to say that. So. <laughs> but, but we're going to use this morning a story that you're probably not going to think, what's he doing? We're going to look at the Easter story to see what God has to say about broken hearts and being broken hearted. If you would, turn with me to Luke chapter 24, verses 13 through 34. And I'm, around here, we like to read the Scripture together, so I'm going to ask if you would, when you find that, Luke 24, 13, and then we'll read down to verse 34. Would you stand with me as we honor God's Word, reading it together? <clears throat> now, behold, two of them were traveling at the, that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem, and they talked together in all these things which had happened. So it was, while they were conversing and reasoned, that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained, so they did not know him. And he, ca he said to them, What kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Then one, of the, one whose name was Cleopas answered and said, <clears throat> Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have, not you, have you not, heard, not known the things which happened these, few, these last days? And he said to them, What things? So they said to him, The things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word, before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping, catch that word hoping, but we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came and saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of, the, of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But they did not and indicated, they, they did not see. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear God, we thank you, Lord, for this day you've given us. And, Lord, we just ask that even at this very moment you would bless Miss Lynette as she could not be here this weekend as planned. But, Lord, we just pray that you would just straighten everything out that we can have her before long because, Lord, she's always a blessing as you bring her down here. And, Lord, we just ask that now that you would just go with us through the rest of the service, that, Lord, you would open our hearts, that, Lord, we would see even sometimes when we have broken hearts that we can see what a blessing you can be. And Lord, this story that we just read is one of those stories. 
that, Lord, it brings us hope and encouragement. Go with us in these next few minutes. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now, I've got to share with you the reason that I use this passage is because things that happened this week. Now, I'm sure most of y'all don't know that we even had an election, do you? You're blessed if you don't. <laughs> but nonetheless, have you ever seen a time in our nation where things are so chaotic, seem like? I mean, this one don't like this one, this one don't like this one, and we can't get along on anything. And that's what inspired this ideal of this message. And it really, I, I had started off to make it a series, but I, I don't think we can do that now. We'll just take it as the, as the times go, because we never know what's going to come out of Washington and take place. But it's, anyway, I, I'd planned to do, is there any hope for me, for my broken heart, of course? Uh, is there any hope for me when I've messed up, and we all mess up? Is there any hope for me when I'm afraid? Is there any hope for me when I'm feeling guilty, or when I feel like quitting? Is there any hope for my fractured family? And so that was the series, but I'm not sure exactly how we'll do it. The Christmas coming on is just a few short weeks away. But I just wanted to touch off and start off with this. Hope is the ability to stand in the present and look into the future with confidence. Hope is the ability to stand in the present and look in the future with confidence. People not only want to know what the future holds for their life, they want to know what will happen to them after this life. That's a big topic. All the times we see this. You can't pick up a newspaper probably without having your horoscope in there. Predicting what the next day, the next week, the next month, whatever you be reading is in there. And by the way, it's not just unbelievers that believe in the horoscopes. A lot of Christians look it up every day too. My challenge to you was if you're a child of God and you look at the astrology charts, stop doing it. That is of Satan himself, folks. And there's a lot of Christians that do it every week, every day for that matter, because it's in probably every newspaper you pick up on. But it's, I heard a funny story about a man from Chicago. You know those people from Chicago. They're pretty funny anyway. Isn't that right? She's from Chicago. so <laughs> No comment, okay? A story about a man from Chicago who was traveling to Florida for a vacation. His wife was delayed and was going to join him the next day. When he arrived at his motel, he wanted to send her an email from the lobby computer. But he couldn't remember exactly what her email address was. So he typed in what he thought it was, and he sent this email. But unfortunately, he got one letter wrong. Instead of the email going to his wife, it went to an elderly preacher's wife whose husband had died just a few days ago and they had just buried him. When the preacher's wife checked the email, she found the message from the guy in Florida. When she read it, she screamed and fainted. It said, Dear wife, just got checked in. Everything prepared for your arrival tomorrow. Your loving husband. P.S. It sure is hot down here. <laughs> now put two and two together, you can have a story. But if you could really get a message from somebody that had died, that would be fascinating, wouldn't it, to hear from somebody. You'd probably pay close attention to what that person had to say. But did you realize that actually we do have a word from somebody that died and came back to life? 
His name is Jesus. He dies never to die again because he rose from the grave. That's why I said this is sort of an Easter story, but we're going to use it anyway today. You can read about that, by the way, in Luke chapter 24, the one we just read, but the whole chapter's consumed with it. On that very first Easter, there were two people walking back to, from Jerusalem to their home in Emmaus. We read that part. Seven miles away. Now, watch what happened. If you listen to when, as we read that, they were very troubled. All their hopes had seemed like it had gone away, just vanished. Now, imagine if you were in that situation. Let's just say that you know, all your hope for a day was just dashed. You would feel pretty sad and cumbered with it, wouldn't you? You'd feel pretty low about the things that had gone on. That's the situation these two men were in as they walked along this road. Cleopas was one of the people. But the other one who is never named is, is never named. It might have been Mr. Cleopas. We don't know. Or another family member or a friend or somebody or just somebody that caught up with them and walked with them. We just don't know who it was exactly. If you had been following them, you'd have noticed their heads were hanging low. Their feet were dragging because they were so discouraged. How many of us have ever been discouraged in our lives? You don't have to raise your hand. You can if you want to. But <laughs> we all have been at one point. We all get discouraged over things. It may be a job. It may be a, a family situation. It may be our marriage. It may be other things that it can always get us down and just bring us down. As they were walking along, a stranger joined them. They didn't recognize him, but the stranger was Jesus, fresh from the resurrection. They had watched him die. Nobody expects to see a dead man walking. The stranger asked them what they were discussing. And look at verse 24 again, verses 19. Uh, verse 24, beginning, uh, ver beginning verse 24. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found... Uh, wait a minute, I get off on the wrong one. Excuse me, 19. Start at 19. Let's go back up there. Uh, there we go. So they said to him, The things concerning Jesus at Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God, and all the people and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified. That would bring you low. This is somebody that had come and said he was the Messiah and he was going to do these great things and save his people and all the teaching and all the things he did. And now he's gone. He's dead. He's no more. But that's why I say that this Easter story here is a story about hope and power and praise and any other word you want to throw in there. It's a story about Jesus and what he did. Let's go on a little farther. To fast forward just a little bit, at that point, Jesus started telling them about why the Messiah had to die. Then as they walked, Jesus told them about how that every book in the Old Testament predicted the death of the Messiah. You see what Jesus is trying to do now? Here they're completely thinking, don't realize who's next to them walking along the road. That all they're thinking about is poor, poor, pitiful me. We lost the one hope we had. And he's walking right next to them. Down the road. As he travels. 
He's walking this road. He doesn't, they don't even realize who's walking with them. As they walked, they had watched him die, and nobody expects to see a dead man walking. The stranger asking is what were they were discussing? Pick up again in verse 19, uh, uh, 19 verse, and through 24. 19 through 24, that's what I'm trying to say. Uh, here, we go. here we go. And he said to them, what things? So they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet of mighty deed and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priest and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us when they did not find his body. They came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But him they did not find. Him they could not see. Here's a situation. All their hope had been pinned to this man named Jesus. All their hope for the future had been pinned on him. He's the one that's going to deliver us. He's the one that will set us free. He's the one that will take care of all this. And all of a sudden he's gone. He's dead. He's no more. But oh, that they don't realize who's walking right next to them. Now, Jesus didn't reveal himself either, so I mean, he, he had a little bit to play in there. I, I, I sort of, with his uh, sense of humor, I probably just played along with it a little bit. Just let them just figure out who I am. As they traveled on, then pick up in Luke chapter 24, verse 32 through 35. And they said to one another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road? And while he opened Scripture to us, so they rose up very early and returned to Jerusalem to fa- and found the eleven, those who were with them, gathered together, saying, The Lord is risen indeed, and has appeared to Simon. And they told about the things that had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. Now, I intentionally skipped down a little bit, as you saw, but just for time's sake, but here it he was walking alone. They didn't recognize him, although they were worshiping him. This is the man they'd lived for, hoped for, planned for. Here he was. What does that tell us? The Easter encounter is an encounter with Jesus. These two people who were never the same, if you so desire, you too can have an Easter experience, yes, even in November. Because Jesus Christ is alive today. The same as he was in the story. In this message, I want to share two brief observations and one important application here. Number one, life is full of heartbreaking experiences. Anybody disagree with that? Of course not, because we've all been there. It may have been when we were kids. It may have been when we were young adults. It may have been our marriage. It may be, It could be many things. It could be a job situation. At the beginning of that Easter, these two disciples were full of despair. They were discouraged. I mean, they were probably ready to just pitch in the towel and say, what's the use? 
like many Christians are today. What's the use of going on? Our government's in craziness. Everybody that you talk to disagrees. They don't like this one because he's like this or she's like this. Our world's going chaotic. And it seems like it's getting worse every day. Maybe you're suffering from a broken heart as well as anyone else. A broken heart is not a rare experience. It's all too commonplace. Some years ago, if you remember the group called The Temptations, you might remember the song. Jimmy Ruffin and The Temptations recorded a song that asked a question. What becomes of, a broken, of the brokenhearted? He sang, As I walk this land with broken dreams, I have visions of many things. Love's happiness is just an illusion filled with sadness and confusion. What becomes of a brokenhearted? Who had love that's now departed? I know I've got to find some kind of peace of mind, maybe. That sounds pretty dejected, doesn't it? That was written years ago. But yet we still have the same problems in our life today. We get broken hearts. Marriages fall apart. People leave. People die. Loved ones die sometimes. And all these things. It takes place and it breaks our hearts. So put your place to these two men as they were walking back. They were down. They were sad. They were beaten, basically. But what they didn't realize is this walking with a cure right beside them. The list of things that can cause your heart to break is much longer than we have time to discuss. A bad romance. A marriage can break your heart. The death of someone you love can break your heart. Not making a certain football team or baseball team or basketball, whatever it is in high school, can break teenagers' hearts. From the cradle to the grave, pain and despair come to us like waves of an ocean. If you're in between waves right now, then get ready because the next one's just over the hilltop coming this way. For all of us, it always is. Nobody is immune from the pain of a broken heart. The Bible says nobody is immune from trouble. The psalmist observed in Psalms chapter 90, verse 10, Psalms 90, verse 10, the days of our lives are 70 years. And if by reason of strength they might be eight, they may they are eighty years, yet their boast is only labor and sorrow, but is soon cut off and we fly away. That's out of Psalms. That's, that sounds pretty downtrodden, doesn't it? But he's exactly right. I heard about a, a newspaper in Nashville, Tennessee, it was going to do a series of articles on people who were suffering from a broken heart. They wrote to a pastor asking him if he would contribute being a pastor of a church that he might know a lot of people that are going through this so one perceptive pastor sent the newspaper the nashville telephone directory and said here's the starting list right here because every one of us suffer heartache at some point we have things that disappoint us our puppy dies our dog has to be put down you say well what that's crazy that hurts people. It breaks their hearts sometimes. He was close to being correct, that pastor. Just send them the phone book. Let them read it themselves. The second thing we see, a broken heart can destroy your hope. These two disciples in Luke chapter 24 knew what it was to have broken hearts 
and broken hopes. Listen to the words again in Luke 24, verse 21. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Their hopes were shattered that day on the crucifix of the crucifixion. Have you ever come to a place in your life when things didn't turn out the way you wanted them to turn out? And you said, but I had hoped that it would happen this way. I had hoped that this would take place. Yeah, we've all been there. Losing hope, did you know, can make you sick. The Bible says in Proverbs 13, 12, hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when, you des- when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. That's God's Word speaking to us. Have you lost hope in anything? I don't know about you, but I'm just about to lose hope in our political system. <laughs> I mean, I'm just about at the end of my rope with it. I like uh, Fox News, but I'm just right ready to turn it off and quit watching it. I'll turn to Judy's channel. What is it? Did you always watch? Hall, Hall, Hallmark. What? Hallmark. Guys, don't do that. I promise you. I have to do it too many times during the week, so don't do it. Anyway, maybe you're single. Maybe you thought, I had hoped to be married by this time. If you're divorced, you may have thought, I had hoped to stay married. You may be a student who has thought, I had hoped that my parents wouldn't split up. Or you may be your grieving widow who thinks, I had hoped we would grow old together. You're not the only one who has said, I had hoped such and such. We all, to some degree, go through them. I recall in 1987, sitting in a hospital room with my dad that was dying of a brain tumor. It was obvious to us that, barring a miracle, he wasn't going to come out of that hospital. I mean, it had just gone too far. He was in his mid-60s, and I was at that time in my probably early to middle 30s. My dad had worked all of us hard all his life. We didn't have a lot growing up, and and they never got, we never took vacations. I've shared with some of you that because we, he had horses, and you can't leave horses by themselves. They won't take care of themselves. And so we didn't take vacations. And I remember him in that hospital room that day, and he said something like this to me. As we sat there thinking about things, I remember not too long ago before he had gone to the hospital, me and him was up there visiting and so forth, just making a weekend visit, I guess, and we decided to take a walk out in the pasture. As we walked out in the pasture, he said something like this, that he had hoped when he retired to be able to go on vacations with my mother. And of course, the boy, we were gone at that time. I had a younger brother still home. He said, I realize now how I, how I made a mistake. Then he said, don't make the same mistake with your family. Within a few weeks, he was gone. Now, he was not a Christian man, as far as I know. He was a good man. But I remember him going to church one time. We were in a little town called South Main, Texas, my first church, our first church. And just before this incident happened, about maybe two weeks, I believe it was, he come over. Now, folks, let me say this to justify this. I've never, never heard in my life my dad say the words, I love you. 
He wasn't that kind of man. But I knew he did. But as we stood on the front porch after church that day, the first time he had ever came to hear me preach was standing on the front porch. And I know with everything I've got, he wanted to say those words. He just couldn't get them out. That's just the kind of man he was. Now, remember, this is 35, 40 years ago. And that was not uncommon for men. I mean, that was very common for men not to show affection or say words that are, you know, like that. So those words to me meant a whole lot when he said, don't make the same mistake with your family. Because probably two or three weeks later, I don't remember exactly what it was then, but he was gone. Hopelessness is when you're afraid that things, things won't work out. Sometimes you feel the what, that way. Hope is the feeling that the feeling you have won't last forever. Something's going to go wrong with it. Millions of people today are looking for hope. Let me ask you, do you have hope in your life? Jesus can restore your hope, whoever you are. At the beginning of Easter, these two disciples were discouraged because their hopes and dreams had been crushed as they watched Jesus be crucified and buried. He was dead. I heard somebody this past Easter on the radio talking about that they didn't really think that Jesus was dead. They just got something and sort of made him swoon and just out of his head, and he just laid there. No, you go stick a spear through your heart and see if you're dead. I guarantee you, he was dead. But when they encountered the risen Christ, their hope was restored. It came back. Look, he's alive. Luke verse 24, verse 32 says, And they said to one another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked to us on the road and while he opened the Scriptures to us? The broken hearts were replaced with hearts that were burning with hope and excitement all of a sudden. You see what Jesus brings to you? You can be as beaten down as you possibly can be, but you let Jesus come in, he's going to give you some hope. It don't matter who you are. That's what Jesus does best, is bring hope to the hopeless. Hope is a valuable commodity. In 1997, I had to look this up, so bear with me, but this, this is part of it. In 1997, there was a movie starring Kevin Costner called The Postman. Anybody ever seen it? Oh, there's a few scattered around. Well, now, let me share. I'm not a movie watcher. I just don't particularly like to watch them. But this particular night, I was sitting up late. I couldn't sleep for one reason or another. And I guess she had that show she was talking about a while ago. And just I couldn't go to sleep. But anyway, I just turned on the TV and just flipping through the channels. And I saw the show coming on. I said, well, let's see what that is. Called The Postman. Hollywood movie critics ridiculed it as one of the worst movies ever produced. So that's probably why I liked it a little bit. I was watching on one of those late-night TV movie channels or whatever it was. I don't remember what it was exactly. but it's And I realized the movie is all about the value of power and hope. So I started thinking about hope. What is it? And that's really where this message sort of originated from. But I didn't want to tell my wife because I always tell her I don't like movies. And so she, she caught me watching one and I had to watch hers. But it's, that's another story. But it was set in the future after a war that devastated America. Kevin Costner is fleeing from the evil General Valentine 
when he hides in an old wrecked uh, postal truck, he borrows the uniform from the skeleton and wanders into an isolated town claiming to be a postman for the reformed United States government. He claims there's a new president, Richard Starkey, living in the new U.S. capital in Minneapolis. Let's take that one in for a minute. The postman told him, the president wants you to know that stuff is getting better. Sounds like today, doesn't it? Of course, he's trying to deceive them into feeding him. But in the process of his, of his deception, he starts giving people hope. He gives, them hope to a blind, he gives hope to a blind woman when she received a letter from her sister. He gave hope to a young man named Ford Lincoln Mercury. I didn't make that up. And inspired him to enlist a larger group of postmen. In the end, the postman ends up leading the people into a rebellion against General Valentine. Now, if you've watched it many times, I hope I got that real close. That's my best memory. But anyway, I heard recently a good acrostic for hope. You know, acrostic is when you take a letter of each word, each word and put it together and make a word. Hope stands for having only positive expectations. I like that. Having Hope stands for having only positive expectations. Think about it. That is exactly what hope really is, having only positive expectations. If you need hope, you can do three things these disciples did on this road this day. There is hope if you will walk with Jesus. These two disciples, disciples walked along. Their sadness was turned to joy. Their despair was replaced by hope. In the Bible, the word walk with speaks of a close relationship. They walked with Jesus. They talked with Jesus. The Garden of Eden, what did they do? They walked and talked with God. Every day we faced with temptations, every one of us. There's a voice temptation suggesting we walk down the wrong pathway. I don't know about you, but it's in my head all the time. Well, why don't you do this? Nobody's looking. Why don't you just do this little thing? It's not that bad. People from the church won't ever know. That voice is in my head constantly almost. Always trying to get me to go away that I shouldn't go. And I know I shouldn't go. But some days it's awful tempting. In the Bible, Galatians 5.16 says, Walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. I have to turn to that verse quite often, folks. In other words, when you're walking with God, He will direct you in the right path. The Bible says in Isaiah 30, verse 21, listen to this one. Your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, This is the way, walk in it, whenever you turn to the right hand or whenever you turn to the left. So y'all have got to have that voice too speaking to you. I can't be the only one in this room that has that voice. But it's always trying to get me what God don't want me to do I know it as much as I'm standing here but that voice still speaks to us if you want to have hope you have to walk with him daily the second thing we see there's hope if you will listen to him not only did the two disciples on the road to Emmaus walk with Jesus 
they listened to what he had to say. He started talking about Genesis and traced his presence through every section of the New Testament. Old Testament, excuse me. Their hope was gone until they heard what he had to say. He told them, he basically read the Old Testament to them. He told them about it. He didn't read the whole thing because it wasn't there then. He hadn't written it yet. But anyway, it just as, it, as they walked, he told them about why these things had to happen, why these things had to take place. Their hope was gone until they heard what he had to say. Not only did they, they hear it, they got to experience it as they walked along. Let me tell you something this morning. If you're a child of God, or even if you're not a child of God, God's trying right now to talk to you. He's trying to speak to you. The Lord is trying to talk to you. Are you hearing His voice? God's original intent was to create people with whom He could have a personal, loving relationship with. The Bible says He would walk with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Sin destroyed that relationship. And salvation is having a relationship restored. That's what salvation is. It's restoring that relationship that man and women were meant to have with God. Through Jesus Christ, it's possible to know God and to walk and talk with Him every moment of the day. One of my favorite hymns, is in the garden, written by Austin Miles. It speaks of walking and talking with the Lord. You can have exactly the kind of relationship with God this song describes. Let me read you some words from it. It's from the song In the Garden by Austin Miles. He speaks and the sound of his voice is so sweet that the birds hush their singing. And the melody that he brings to me within my heart is ringing. He walks with me and he talks with me and tells me that I am his own and the joy that we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. That's God talking to us, folks. There is hope if you'll see him for who he really is. The two disciples walked with Jesus. They listened to Jesus. But it wasn't until he broke bread at their house that their eyes were opened and they saw who he is. Now think about that. That almost sounds silly, doesn't it? You walk with somebody for seven miles. You're talking to him. You're listening to him. You're hearing what he has to say. You're hearing him talk about the scriptures. And they didn't even recognize him. Why? Because those scales over their eyes, they couldn't see who he was. They thought he was dead. They had watched him be crucified. They realized he was alive. They were so excited to get up and they could have ran those seven miles that had seen it before. Do you recognize Jesus today? Do you, recognize, do, you, do you realize that the Bible says that every time we have service, Jesus is here? He's here right now. No, I can't see him either, so don't worry about it. But he's here. And he's listening to you. He's perhaps trying to whisper something. I don't know what he's doing with you. Only you could know that. They thought he was dead. Who is Jesus? If your answer is, well, he was a religious leader who lived and died 2,000 years ago, then 
you wouldn't be wrong. But yet you wouldn't be completely right either. He is so much more than the founder of a religion. There are many religions on this planet. You can visit the tombs where the remains of all the religious leaders are buried. But the single feature that makes Jesus unique is that he's alive today. He's alive today. Did you get that? Grasp that. You say, well, where is he? He's right here. He's in a lot of people's hearts right now, speaking to them. If you don't see him as living today, you don't have any basis for hope because he's the only hope we have. 